0: the optimal life.
1: So I just had a um, psychologist on recently, an episode, and we did a, uh, we we talked briefly about EMDR, Dr. Jillian O'Shea Brown, um, but I didn't get into the real specifics of exactly what that is. So why don't you explain, let's start there. What exactly does that stand for EMDR and, and what is it?
0: Yeah. EMDR stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. And it's a type of therapy that uses what we call bilateral stimulation, which is eye movements from right to left, left to right, to help process stuck points of trauma. So the main tenet of EMDR is that your brain knows how to heal on its own. It knows what it's doing, right? Um, But sometimes due to certain variables like trauma, We get blockages, just like your arteries get clogged. We can get stuck points in the brain. And so EMDR is a tool to help break through those stuck points to get your brain
1: functioning how it knows how. Okay, so take us through that. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, now in practical terms, tell us what's happening. How is this all connected or interrelated?
0: Well, there are several thoughts. One is um, that the eye movement's back and forth, is akin to REM sleep, right? REM sleep, when you're seeing someone sleeping, you see their eyes moving while their their lids are closed. Um, and that's, REM sleep is how you process the day's activities. Same thing with the bilateral stimulation with EMDR. It helps you more efficiently process these stuck points. The other piece that's helpful is the right, left, right, left, helps incorporate a more holistic type of healing. So for example, in traditional talk therapy, just super helpful, um, it has its limitations because the right part of our brain, the right side, is where we hold trauma, emotions, our perception of life. And that part is nonverbal. So there's only so much we can do through talking alone. And that's where EMDR is a really helpful tool because there's really not a whole lot of talking being done in the process.
1: So if I'm understanding what you're saying is that when we're in a talk therapy session with a counselor or a psychologist or whoever, Mm -hmm. it's really the left side of the brain that's getting the work done in those situations. The right side is having no impact whatsoever.
0: It's having some impact. Um, And depending on, how that talk therapist works, they can incorporate, you know, more somatic mindful tools, and that will trigger the right brain. But typically just talking alone leaves that part wanting a bit.
1: Okay. So what is going on on the left? Let's, let's hit on the left side real quick. What exactly is going on on the left side?
0: So the left side of the brain is more responsible for um, logic, planning, rational thinking, right? So, If a client is struggling with a lot of anxiety um, and gets stuck in these thought loops, a talk therapist can be really helpful in reframing these thoughts. That's incredibly helpful and can help the behaviors that follow the thoughts as well. However, that leaves some parts like the emotional piece um, and the trauma piece that could be in play with your anxiety um, open.
1: Okay. So... The left side is is it's clearly beneficial.
0: The yeah, left side we, is
1: where you're you need to get that things are happening. Reframing is clearly probably one of the more important things that you guys do mm-hmm. for someone that's going through some types of anxieties or depression. Yeah. But what you're saying is the trauma aspect, let's let's define that first. What exactly yeah. do you mean when you say trauma?
0: So trauma can be all sorts of things. Um I like to break it down into capital T trauma and lowercase T trauma. Um, capital T trauma is more of what the re- the average person thinks of with war, uh, torture, violence, that kind of thing, um, which is trauma. Uh, lowercase T trauma can look like bullying, emotional abuse from parents. It can look like loss, uh, illness, more of these smaller quote unquote versions of trauma that are just as impactful as capital T trauma.
1: Okay. So you got two su- two different subsets essentially.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so what happens is that these uh, traumas can inform can inform how we view the world. And so depending on what the trauma was, we might get beliefs ingrained into us, like, I'm not safe, uh, I'm a failure, I'm not enough, that kind of thing. And that can present in symptoms of anxiety, depression, uh, all sorts of mental health struggles.
1: Right. So then, okay, so now the right side of the brain needs repair.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: And talk us through let's, with this EMDR how does the repair happen like if you and you know what i would really like you to do also is give us a real life example sure. somebody's got whatever something that comes to mind and then kind of talk us through a, a session
0: yeah sure so let's see um i just yeah i i just had a client who came to me uh she has a chronic illness and was experiencing a lot of nightmares, flashback symptoms of different times she'd been hospitalized, right? And so she was avoiding going to necessary doctor's appointments um, and taking her medication because it all felt too overwhelming. She felt flooded emotionally. So what we did was we met and we create a part of EMDR. It's an eight step process. But one of the steps is creating basically an outline of what we want to tackle, which targets. So uh, we targeted her first hospitalization. What emotions were you experiencing? How does your body feel thinking about that? What thoughts come to mind? All of that. And then we introduce the bilateral stimulation. So that's your eyes moving back and forth while the patient is letting their mind go through various memories.
1: So you're and, let me just interject if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. So you're telling the patient to verbalize this stuff while you're starting to do the eye movement or great are they quest- just thinking about it internally?
0: Yes, great question. So uh, verbally we come up with the outline and then once the bilateral stimulation comes in they're not talking. So it's they're just letting their mind guide them. Their brain knows what to do. And then periodically, I will check in and say something like, what do you notice? What's coming up for you? And they'll give me a brief response. I'll then say, go with that. And then it's quiet for a
1: little while. So and you're doing this. How are you doing the eye movement? What, are you, what kind of process is that?
0: So it can be all sorts of things. So when I'm in person with people, uh, we have these. They're called tappers. They're basically just little handles that vibrate back and forth that you hold in your hands. Um, and that allows your eyes to move back and forth while your eyes are closed. Uh, virtually, uh, I meet many of my clients virtually now because of COVID, we do something called a butterfly tap, which is you just cross your arms and tap your shoulders right and left, back and forth while your eyes are closed and
1: your eyes will follow. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, and you know, you're able to tell that their eyes are moving or are you just trusting in the process?
0: Uh, both. I trust in the process enough at this point, but in the beginning, I was very much looking at their eyes to make sure they were moving back. And but you've forth.
1: done it enough times where you know that it's essentially they do it every time.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
1: So their eyes are closed. Yeah. They've, they've verbalized, but now they're really more so internally while you're working on this eye movement, mm-hmm. although you are kind of pulling them out at times to say, hey, what are you feeling here or what are you thinking about here?
0: Exactly. So that's important because there's a piece of EMDR called dual awareness. So we want the client to be able to go back to that moment of trauma, but we don't want them to re-experience it in the exact same way that it was. We don't want to re-traumatize them. So by me checking in, that reminds them that you're in present day, you're safe in my office with me, you're not back in the hospital. And that's key to initiate healing so that we don't re-traumatize. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that's so that's happening. That's the second phase. And then where are you going from there?
0: So that takes however many sessions. It differs for different people. Um, and so with this pati- particular client, uh, it was more of a single incident trauma. There's was, it was her health hospitalizations. Many other people I work with have complex or chronic PTSD. And so I think of that as more of detangling a ball of Christmas lights. Mm. We take different targets, different traumas, and we go step by step. And that can take several months, several years. It really
1: depends. What does something like that look like? Again, without naming names, of course. What's an example of a complex, multi-layered trauma that you typically have seen?
0: Um, a lot of the, the clients I work have. Complex trauma in the form of they've experienced a variety of sexual abuse from family, friends, and that's continued. They've had many incidents of those throughout their lives. Um, additionally, when we experience trauma as a child, a way that we cope often creates more traumatic events, such as substance use. Um, you're put in riskier, dangerous situations, and it can perpetuate that trauma
1: for you. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So it depends. Uh, This is not one size fits all. Clearly some people, it could be one or two sessions and some people, it could be months and months of sessions. Yes. What is happening scientifically again with this eye movement stuff? What's going on inside of our brain that's allowing healing to at least begin?
0: Yeah. So what the healing is doing, how we're doing it is basically This, Like I said, we all tend to have these core negative beliefs that come from trauma, right? Like, I'm not safe. I'm not good enough. And so the goal of EMDR is to create some space and some distance from those beliefs to turn down the volume of that. So we're not trying to get rid of memories. We're not trying to erase anything. But with the bilateral stimulation, it creates a reaction in your brain that turns that volume down eventually, but then at the same time, it increases the neuroplasticity in your brain. And neuroplasticity is how we create new neural connections. And so that is the key to healing is we're not gonna get rid of the past. We're gonna understand it more and get some distance from it, but we're also gonna create new neural connections that feel more adaptive. Like instead of I'm not safe, some of the time I'm not safe, or I'm learning how to be safe. These new connections are what's key in healing that trauma. And that's what the bilateral stimulation
1: helps with. And how do you, Molly, how do you recognize when somebody has made progress?
0: That's a great question. Uh, I recognize it based on feedback and insights. People are able to have shifts in perspective and shifts in insight pretty quickly with EMDR and other uh, trauma treatment methods, more so than traditional talk therapy. Um, And so, for example, this client I'd mentioned with the medical trauma, she's now able to go to doctor's appointments. She's now able to advocate for herself with her doctors and to, you know, plot her own medical path.
1: Mm. Yeah it's very it's very interesting stuff that you're doing it's very um you, you know the science behind it it's like it, it's hard to really understand at least for me yeah how this is all happening and like why is this eye movement what what about eye movement is therapeutic <laughs> yeah
0: well it's it's interesting and that's a common question um and It's interesting because it's a slightly different type of therapy that we ask these deeper questions. Whereas when we bring up cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kind of your typical traditional talk therapy, there's more because it's more familiar. There's acceptance of, oh, if we reframe it, our brain latches onto that and the thought is different. Um, We don't exactly know how the reframing works. It just does. Um, and so there's some faith in in the process that is certainly needed with EMDR and all kinds of therapy, really.
1: So EMDR is its own um, type of therapy that you provide, and yes. and, uh, and that was something that I really wanted to at least hear more about, which you have explained it uh, fairly fairly well and direct, I think, for the, the layman's like myself that are out there trying to figure out what this stuff is. <laughs> um, how long is a typical session for, for something like that?
0: So it depends on the therapist. Uh, For me, I like to see clients at least once or twice a week for 45 to 60 minute sessions. Um, Some therapists like to really do an intensive and have it be a couple hours. Um, It really
1: depends on the therapist. And when you say 45 to 60 minutes, do you mean that they're under this EMDR protocol for that entire time?
0: Pretty much. Uh, They come in, we have a bit of reflection, a bit of checking in, and then we go right into the EMDR.
1: That's got to be astonishing for you over the weeks and months when you see such drastic changes fairly quickly like that.
0: It is. It's really great. And that's, I think, my favorite part of the job is seeing that progress and seeing that agency that people create for themselves. Well,
1: that's that's the mission, right? I mean, that's got to be the most stimulating and rewarding feeling for you. Hey, here's this person that I maybe didn't even know a few weeks or months ago. And now uh, who came into my office broken in various areas. And now here they are sitting in front of me a different person than they were 90 days ago. Yep, that's got to be the whole everything that it makes you worth getting up the next morning and doing it again for somebody else.
0: It does. And it's what's really nice about EMDR in particular is what you learn there, what you discover there, it stays. We we have a saying of what fires together, wires together. So the more you practice and the more intentional you are, that sticks with you. And it's applicable to all areas of your life, not just the trauma that you're focusing on. So it is really a whole life change
1: no doubt. Um so one of the other areas of expertise which I want to talk a little scientifically with you about as well is yeah. this ketamine assisted psychotherapy. Yes. What exactly is ketamine therapy?
0: Yeah. So, um ketamine assisted psychotherapy or CAP for short, um is something that I practice. I know many people have heard a lot more about ketamine therapy. Um and not all treatments are equal. Uh so One way many people I think know of it is more in a medical model where if you're struggling with depression, typically treatment resistant depression, you go to a clinic, um, a medical provider administers ketamine, usually via an IV or intranasally you remain in the office, uh, medical personnel checks on your vitals periodically, and then you go home. With me and with CAP, we add the psychotherapy piece to it. Uh, it's I think of it similarly to uh, more traditional antidepressants like your Prozac, your Zolofts. Those are all very helpful, and studies show that a combination of medication and psychotherapy results in in the best symptom relief. But,
1: but okay, so let's. It, ketamine mm-hmm. is like a, a, a hallucinogenic. What is exactly is it?
0: So ketamine is an anesthetic dissociative. So typically it's used for um, anesthesia for people in in pain and in more clinical settings. However, we've discovered that it has a bit of an off-brand use, which is it can have psychedelic effects. Um, The dissociative effects can be incredibly helpful in creating neuroplasticity and allowing for uh, patients to have that Uh, that insight that we talked about, that space for that insight and that perspective shifting.
1: But you have to really know what you're doing in these settings, too, because correct me if I'm wrong, abusing something like this could have some real negative impacts on the person as well.
0: Absolutely. And so screening is very important. So I know a lot of people know of ketamine as a party drug, special K, and it certainly is. Um, And within with the right team um, and with the right goals, we can have it be incredibly effective for someone who has been struggling for so long with depression, anxiety, PTSD, all of that.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean, it's, it's one of those things to me that's like, hey, Uh, This might sound great, but what about the person that overdoses on it?
0: So that's a great question. Um, And again, this all depends on the provider. If you have a well-trained provider, we don't typically give enough of the medication to result in an overdose. Um, Really, what happens is if you, you know, Dosing is a whole science within itself. And that's typically the a medical provider does that. I am I'm more on the psychotherapeutic end. But the risk of giving someone too high a dosage in this space is okay, they might not be as present. They might not remember what happened on their journey. We'd have to prescribe far more for there to be any overdose complications.
1: Sure. So, and again, you mentioned special K. This thing has a whole host of uh, of street names or yep. slang names. You've got you've got Cat Valium, Blind Squid, Kit Kat, Honey Oil, Kelly's Day, K Hold. I mean, Purple Super Acid. There's a bunch of different <laughs> slang uh, terminology that goes along with this. But what you're saying is is that if used in the proper protocol, mm-hmm. it could have some tremendously beneficial effects and impacts. So, people that are struggling with PTSD, depression, anxiety, etc. uh take us through what does the what exactly is the ketamine assisting you in helping these patients.
0: Yeah, great. Great question. So what the ketamine does is it puts you in a non-ordinary state of consciousness.
1: That's what we call it. A non-ordinary state of consciousness. Okay. Yes.
0: So, um, physically the effects of the ketamine, depending on the dosage can be, um, you know, a bit of a sedative, it can feel, uh, it can feel a little bit outside of your body again, depending on the dosage, but it sort of knocks you out of that typical thought loop we were talking about, right. That, that rut, um, and it knocks you out of that for a second so that you can have different perspectives, see things from different angles that you might not have been able to have seen before. Um, So that's a piece of psychedelic therapy as a whole. That's a reason that it's used is it's a really efficient and effective and safe way to facilitate those kinds of insights. Um,
1: And what kind of reaction are you seeing from your patients? Somebody goes under, they have the ketamine now and you're Mm -hmm. talking to them, are there different? Is it just a different aura that you're getting from them? Different level of calmness? What are you seeing in these people?
0: So it truly depends. Um, I have I've had clients that become really talkative and really feel like they want to just get everything out of their head. Um, I've had clients that are incredibly calm and quiet and Zen. Some people are incredibly emotional. and they might have a what we, quote, unquote, would call a bad trip, which can also be incredibly helpful and therapeutic. It's all welcome.
1: Mm. And then again, how long does something like this uh, typically is this just one session and done or is it does it vary?
0: So one session can be helpful. I typically like to have four to six sessions with a client um, doing cap. And I think that brings about the most relief. Um I had a client back in January who I did four sessions of cap with. She experienced so much relief in her depressive symptoms and that relief stayed until around this last month. She was starting to feel a little, you know, bouts of depression again. We had a booster session, just one and she was back to feeling fantastic.
1: Hey, they don't call it special K for nothing. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Have you ever done, a ketamine session with couples together
0: i have not but it is something that many practitioners do and it can be very helpful
1: because couples therapy is one of your expertise areas of expertise as well
0: i uh, i have someone within my practice that specializes
1: in couples uh, okay. therapy yes see, see for me couples therapy is it's a that's a tricky one yeah i think couples therapy is really helpful when you're proactively doing it uh-huh. um i think couples therapy when the relationship has been already tarnished and the damage has been done and the bur- the bridges have been burned. I believe that a vast majority of the time couples therapy is de- delaying the inevitable breakup.
0: Yeah, it certainly takes buy in and commitment from both parties. And if that isn't authentic, then, yeah, it does tend to delay the inevitable. Um with ketamine in couples therapy, one of the effects of ketamine is this, what we call empathogenic effect, which increases your empathy and increases your ability to connect. And that's one really neat way that it can be helpful
1: in couples therapy. Sure. Uh, and then you also, of course, trauma-informed talk therapy, I assume that you you help that. That's probably a pretty uh, common approach, right? For, with yeah. many clients and patients trauma, which is where we kind of started with, which is, hey, this is helpful on the left side of the brain. This is still a critical piece to the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. doing that in schools. You're doing that in hospitals. You're doing that in the child welfare system I've seen. Talk a little bit about that. What exactly are you doing in the child welfare system?
0: So that's more of I, I had a former job working in the New York City child welfare system, and I just like to operate through the lens of being trauma informed. So I don't typically like to diagnose people. You have depression. You have anxiety. You're a, quote unquote, bad kid. Right. There's usually something underneath that and something that is causing those behaviors. And by looking at it through that lens, that allows for connection and empathy and understanding for all parties.
1: Mm, Yeah. And of course, you know, people are thinking about Hey, this ketamine stuff sounds great. It maybe makes me feel good. I'll kind of go into a different state of consciousness. Um, but as you point out in some recent social media posts, it's not the cheapest route. No. So why is ketamine so expensive, Molly? Yes,
0: yeah, so I'll tell you. So ketamine, and again, depending on what you use. So, what I use is I partner with psychiatrists who prescribe ketamine in a lozenge form. Um, and a prescription for that is actually really only around $20. The ketamine itself is not expensive, but it's important to think of at least CAP as a therapeutic intensive, as opposed to a one-off session, a typical 50 minute session. Um, Cause that helps with the cost. I spend between four to five hours with a client in one CAP session. And that can be broken up between two days, but it's four to five dedicated, intentional hours of my time and their time. And that has a fee. And so if, if you think of it, of I had five to six therapy sessions at once. Then it makes a bit more sense
1: that that puts it into perspective, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but you're paying for the results. You're paying to Absolutely. feel better, right? You're paying for the proven result, which is right. which is what that does. Um. We're getting close to finishing, uh, but I do want to ask people that are listening, they can't necessarily have a session with you right here and now, but maybe they will at some point. Um, They're living in this loop. They're living in a constant depressive loop. Um, They can't get these thoughts out of their head. This is very common. Mm -hmm. What is some low-hanging fruit advice you can give to anyone that's struggling with that very thing, living in the loop? How do they fix that right here, right now?
0: Yeah. My best advice is get into your body when you're in your head get into your body so one of my favorite pieces of advice is notice where you feel that depression or that anxiety in your body Um, for example i feel a lot of stress and tension in my neck and my shoulders and so if I'm feeling like I'm stuck in one of those loops and I focus on relaxing my shoulders and maybe moving my neck around, giving myself a little massage, your brain follows. It's tapping into that mind body connection. So when you're in your head, get into your body, your mind will
1: follow. When you're in your head, get into your body. Yeah. Is there, how, what does that mean? Get into your body? What do you do?
0: So if you can, you can bring attention to those places in your body that feel that depression, feel that anxiety, it can look like that. It can look like stretching. It can look like breathing. It can look like temperature therapy, splashing cold water in your face, Mm. all of that focus on your body and the sensations. And that will break you out of that loop temporarily for your mind to get some space
1: you've seen a lot of traumatic stuff. You've talked to a lot of people that have gone through some horrific things. Um, I'm curious to know, especially during your years as a social worker, Mm -hmm. is there that one or that one story, that one kid or client that stuck out in your mind that you really have never forgot about because the situation was so devastating. And if so, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about it.
0: Yeah. Um, I had uh, for several years, I worked as a social worker at a high school in Harlem. Um, And part of that job is making a lot of calls to child services when you suspect abuse or neglect. And I had a client there that I worked really closely with, and information came out that her father had been abusing her.
1: Um, now you say abusing uh, sexual, physical, all of the above,
0: all of the above
1: mm-hmm.
0: and had to make that call to child family services. Um, and it really disrupted this girl's whole life. Uh, father got removed. Mother got depressed, was absent. Um Criminal charges were then filed. I had to testify in court. Um, it was a whole big to do. Um, and it stuck with me for a while. Of Yes, I'm a mandated reporter. This is my job. But also, did I do the right thing? Did I just blow up this poor girl's life? Mm. And did I make it worse? Wow. And, yeah.
1: That is very, very intense and heavy and interesting. Because think about what you're talking here. You're talking about you reported some of the most horrific acts that could be done to a human being. From of, on top of that, is from her own father. Yeah. The person that's supposed to be protecting her from all the crazy shit that's going on in this world. This is the person that's abusing her. Yeah. And you reported, and and this girl's been living in this horrific state for who knows how long. Yeah. Day in and day out, probably for many years. And then because they took the husband away and the mom got a little loony and the legal system came and got involved, you actually questioned yourself for doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, it's it shows you that life is not black and white and it's not cut and dry. And this girl got put into the child welfare system, got separated from her siblings um, and was in a rough way and the, the happy ending to that story is that I moved on from that job. She graduated from high school. She reached out to me a couple years later and thanked me for my support throughout that time, not necessarily reporting it, but my support. And we began to do work together to actually with EMDR to process that trauma, which was a cool full circle moment.
1: Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That is an incredible story. I'm really glad I asked. Yeah. Um, Boy, what talk like you say, full circle. (laughs) God gave you the message that day when she called you and said, hey, you were worried for all those years. What now do you think you made the right decision? Yeah, Uh, that that was pretty powerful. Uh, Molly Valinsky, uh, we are talking here about Juniper Therapeutic Services, JuniperTherapeuticServices.com. We've linked that in the show notes. Anywhere else you want people to find you online, social, et cetera.
0: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Juniper Therapeutic Services and Facebook, Juniper Therapeutic Services as well.
1: Beautiful. Well, hey, listen, thank you so much for the time today. This has been very fascinating and uh, wishing you continued success with everything.
0: Great. Thanks so much for having me. It was great talking to you.